Hello everyone and welcome to this special episode of the Business Exchange, How Business Works, brought to you by the American Business Council, the voice of American business in Nigeria. Uh, just to know that the Business Exchange is a bi-weekly program where business executives and industry experts um, share insights on how business works with a deep dive into the biggest stories around different sectors. And when I say business, business obviously cuts across healthcare, you know, cuts across issues around uh, digital economy and, and all. My name is Margaret Olili and I'm your show for, I'm your, your host for the show, you know, so host and show and, and show and host, the sound, the sound almost alike. Anyway, today's episode, we would focus on infrastructural and policy challenges in the mitigation of cancer as a non-communicable disease in Nigeria. You know, we, we, that cancer, we all know, and for those who don't know, well, this is an opportunity to, to be informed that cancer remains one of the top of the list of diseases that are uh, really reducing the welfare and uh, wellness of persons across the world, particularly in uh, developing countries like Nigeria. You know, we we also have information that that um, that one of the highest um, cancer mortality rates in the world, um, you know, where we have one of the highest cancer mortality rates in the world is Nigeria, with four out of five cases, you know, resulting in 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 death, according to um, the Global Cancer Observatory. Um, in spite of that, we do know the realities about um, healthcare in Nigeria. Uh, we know that, you know, um, for a long time, um, issues of cancer has become, um, you know, still still is a, a, a critical uh, concern. And um, uh, the, the, the funding for healthcare still remains at uh, an all-time low, lower than what uh, was the 15% um, that had been agreed um, earlier on by states, um, uh, state uh, gov governments and presidents across the world in, in Abuja, in, you know, some years back. But we also know that there were things that had been done so far in terms of policy, in terms of, uh, um, uh, would I say, I would, I would say some level of growth, which is um, the, 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 the beat about the Nigerian Cancer Plan um, and, and a couple of other things that um, um, had, had been done. But again, I would not, um, I'm not the expert here because today we have on the show, on the show. key experts who, um, uh, who, who is uh, the first name you mention when you're talking about uh, issues around uh, cancer, cancer palliatives, um, helping resolving issues around cancer policy and everything. So, Today on the show, we have Professor Ifoma Okoye. Uh, Professor Ifoma Okoye, uh, if, I, if I were to read, uh, intro, uh, to introduce her, it would, it would be quite, uh, it would take quite a lot in terms of um, what uh, the introduction uh, would be. Uh, but I would, I would say that she is a um, foremost, um, uh, foremost radiologist, and she's a professor of radiology um, head of Radiology Medi uh, Medicine Department of the College of Medicine. Um, and and uh, she is um, also, she has an organization very much um, into an NGO that really drives the, um, the network around, around creating awareness 
I would just bring in Professor Okoye because I, I, I do not want to, um, to spend the whole day um, with the introduction, but just for her to um, uh, share our, our insights. So, and, and share a bit about um, what um, is going on in the space of, <laughs> of, uh, of cancer. Uh, and, and also the oncology piece. So, uh, Professor Kui, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. <laughs> it's a pleasure yes. to be here to share uh, with us what we who are very passionate about cancer control in Nigeria and in Sub-Saharan Africa as a whole have been up to. Yes, before we continue, can you please tell us a bit more about um, the non-governmental organization that you have that's been very much at the driver's seat in, in resolving and mitigation, mitigating the issues around uh, cancer, not just in Nigeria, but even globally? Okay, so um, I have um, a cancer NGO. Um, that is called Breast Without Sport. Sport. Yes, it's called Breast Without Sport. And Breast Without Sport was formed uh, because wearing the shoe as a radiologist, which is uh, usually the first, um, the first part of call, uh, the first part of call for uh, patients who um, have had maybe screen positive or who have appeared in the hospital with a related um, symptom or sign that suggests that there needs to be an investigation to check out if they have, um, if they have cancer. So we are the first part of call for breast cancer, for um, further management for cervical cancer in terms of looking for uh, extension of the lesion, we can do ultrasound, uh, especially vaginal ultrasound. So because of it, we wear the shoe, we see these patients and we know that we are constantly faced with late detection of uh, cancer. And I keep hearing my colleagues saying, Nigeria women cannot, uh, 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 cannot come to the hospital early. They can't, I, and I thought to myself, who is telling them about this cancer? Do they know what it is? Do they even realize there's help available? Do they know that preventive measures? Do they know about screening recommendations that can assist them to uh, find out early and come to the hospital earlier? So I felt that we, the healthcare professionals, we are not doing our bit. We're all sitting in our comfort zones and just waiting for these patients to come to us rather than go out there and find out how we can arm them with the information they need to reduce their risk factors, number one, and to help them to prevent, number two, and also inform them that they can early detect in order to achieve cure reduce the hospital bill uh, burden, and of course, reduce morbidity 
associated with this illness and mortality eventually. And this was what motivated me to go out and seek for partners. As I sought for partners to join me, I, everybody was telling me, oh, put up an NGO. That is the only way to do it. That's why Breast Without Sport came on board. And Breast Without Sport is a very amazing name because <laughs> nobody would have conceptualized that. So I keep saying that uh, it was straight from heaven. And it's a not-for-profit, non-governmental organization that is registered under the corporate affairs as far back as 2009. And the vision was to have a world devoid of late detection of cancer. So we've always been focused on reducing the, uh, the burden of late detection of cancer, uh, more or less downstaging our tumors. You find that most Nigerian patients will come in stages three, four, rather than stages zero, one, and two. It's so difficult to find stages zero, one, and two. Even when we set up um, a platform uh, that was supported by a pharmaceutical company and some uh, well-meaning philanthropists in Nigeria put together, for two years, they insisted that the criteria for uh, eligibility criteria was that the patients had to be in stages one and two. And for two years, we could not find patients for breast cancer wow. in stages one and two. <laughs> and then we, we, we shifted it, uh, shifted the pole and accommodated cervical cancer and prostate cancer. And yet after the two years, uh, that this pharmaceutical company was supporting us to uh, maintain a, 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 a general manager who was uh, doing his best to improve awareness uh, in terms of awareness of availability of a treatment fund, we still were not making headway. We had at the total, after almost three years of existence, we had a total of 18 patients that were recruited and money was seated, sitting in the bank that was donated by the chairman of that particular uh, foundation. And this was what closed down the foundation because he said, if you cannot utilize the money I, as a, an individual, have brought out to support, then how, what, what will be my premise? for going out there to friends, colleagues, and say, can you support me with such amount of money so that we can make it available for patients? And that it was a no-no for the foundation that they, need, they would accommodate those who were in late stages because yeah. the whole essence of putting it up was to in increase the number of survivors who can share their story and be able to change the narrative. Which, which, which tells me, thank you so much, Prof. You know, which tells me one thing, you know, that, you know, the need for people to tell their stories remain very critical. You know, um, we cannot keep, you know, uh, I, I, I honestly thought that the issues around awareness and, and all that, you know, has been resolved over the years. Um, but obviously, it seems to, uh, to, to, to be an issue. Um, I, I, I know that a lot of women, you know, of course, everybody would say it's not my portion, but, you know, the quick detection has led to the survival of women and even, you know, um, resolved whatever it is that, that may have been uh, their portion. 
<laughs> you know, in, in, using the same exactly. language. <laughs> so, we, we yeah. Call so, it, it's not my portion syndrome. It's become yeah, a medical so, yeah, so so it's it's. I mean, we need to we need to um, continue to create and increase awareness. And thank you so much for the great work of Breast Without Sports. I know that you know in my past uh, life, you know, working in the pharmaceutical company, I've uh, we did a lot of work. And with your support, um, I know we were able to engage a lot of um, stakeholders across. Uh, the continent, uh, you know, who are in the business of uh, creating awareness and providing uh, the necessary uh, uh, treatment for, uh, you know, uh, identified patients in in this area. But one thing I just quickly want to look at or go straight to is is the area of policy that exists in the mitigation of cancer or NCDs in Nigeria. Um, I know that even with um, uh, when COVID came, um, you were uh in different or uh, been in different uh uh technical working groups you know you, you're the technical you're in the technical working group on cancer prevention and control the steering committee on the catastrophic health fund uh the niprd national scientific advisory committee on verification of covid19 claims and ncdc covid19 research consortium co-lead sag so we do know that um you know when COVID knocked on our on the doors of of the earth, you know, a lot of focus uh, has been on, um, you know, the uh, communicable diseases and the N- and NCDs have taken a back burner. Uh, how what policies currently exist uh, for the mitigation of cancer or uh, or NCDs in Nigeria in terms of treatment, palliatives, prevention, and all? And you know, really, what do you think we need to do moving forward, you know, just regarding um, areas that uh, we need to advocate for more policies. Maybe these are triple barrier questions that I know you're up to it, Prof. Uh, we are just um, ending the uh, the last five years um, cancer control plan, um, uh, which was uh, launched. Uh, in this 2020, and uh, we've just done a review a couple of months ago, which we're going to finish fine-tuning in this week of the International Cancer Week, uh, the 2023, 20, uh, 2023, uh, 2028, uh, uh, five-year Nigeria National Cancer Control Plan. So as I said, we've always had robust robust policies, robust documents. The problem has been cascading it, rolling it out, implementing it. So on paper, Nigeria has a very robust, uh, has robust policies operating in the cancer space. I wish we could implement uh, quite a significant amount of them. However, I must say that I'm very, very impressed uh, with the current uh, uh, cancer control unit in the Federal Ministry of Health. They've done a significant amount of work uh, between um, uh, between 2020, uh, remarkably, uh, during the, uh, the peak of the COVID period. Um, they mustered a lot of efforts to begin to implement some of the different areas uh, of the cancer control plan. Sig- a significant improvement was made in 
some certain areas. Number one, that's establishment of the Cancer Health Fund. And it was in that 2020 that um, we had inauguration of uh, the steering committee for the Cancer Health Fund. The Cancer Health Fund is a fund that was established um, uh, running into, uh, at, at the end of the day, it was 900 million um, as a catastrophic fund to assist indigent patients pay their, their bills. Um, currently, that um, Cancer Health Fund that was approved then is just running at the moment. And there are certain patients who have been beneficiaries of uh, to the tune of 1 million and uh, subsidized by another 1 million. And they are even getting certain drugs, very expensive drugs like Herceptin, you know, um, because you know that uh, the breast cancers uh, in the blacks, and Nigeria is not an exception, expresses itself in a younger generation. And we find that the, uh, the immunohistochemistry always shows that it is of the, uh, the type uh, that needs um, more expensive uh, drug uh, chemo, uh, uh, chemotherapeutic agent called Herceptin that runs to almost like 25 million naira um, in order to be able to achieve the uh, level of uh, uh, cure or level of assistance in terms of moving towards amelioration of the patient's symptoms and problems. Uh, you know, significantly. So it's quite a very expensive drug that most people, once uh, it is prescribed, they give up. They are not able to cope with it and they have to take, uh, you know, a second, third, uh, third uh, uh, um, choice uh, medications which do not have the same ability to achieve a good uh, patient. Um, uh, development in uh, uh, patients' uh, improvement in terms of uh, treatment. Okay, let, let's go quickly, Prof. Uh, I, I, you know, sorry that I jumped in in that manner um, because there are lots of two very critical areas of that of your expertise that I want to tap into in terms of understanding where we are at. Uh, and you know, I'm getting all these bit that you know we we need to uh, stretch into the next conversation, and that has to do with infrastructure. So I know that you know technology and infrastructure plays a critical role in cancer treatment, like you've rightly noted. You know, the funding going into um, you know, treatments in apart from the medications and, and things. Um, so there has always been the issue around um, the challenge of infrastructure across all sectors and not just the healthcare space. So can you please share with us current technologies for the treatment of cancer? And do we have enough to stop, you know, uh, people from going abroad to seek medical treatment? Uh, can we eventually, even from uh, the perspective that we are looking at, make Nigeria some kind of a, a hub where, you know, uh, people can come for uh, uh, health uh, or medical tourism uh, for the treatment and uh, to the treatment of cancer. Yes, there are certain policies that the um, federal government uh, took in the past uh, two, three years, uh, which is now rolling out into creation of more um, Radiotherapy centers, which is one of the major equipment 
that is uh, required for treatment of uh, cancer and has always been in you know in a very very low volume that we have i'm not saying we have even dented dented the uh, uh, the space at all because they are supposed to be uh, one per one million and we have 200 million nigerians and we we still have barely uh, 12 uh, uh, radiotherapy centers that are functional and some of them are still functioning uh, epileptically mm. however you know when you're benchmarking against what has been before and what is prevailing now uh, two years later i would say that some significant progress has been made mm. definitely not in the range of being able to sort out the uh, the treatment for all patients in the cancer space that need treatment uh, in order to affect uh, the need for them to go abroad. However, there's something very um, significant that happens in the healthcare space in Nigeria. There are certain um, um, functional um, treatment modalities that are available in the country, but that are not well um, advertised so that the population even knows that it's available. So you find patients um, just naturally seeking healthcare outside of Nigeria and not optimizing even some of the equipment that is still within the, uh, the, uh, the country. So that, uh, this actually needs to be handled. There should be more effort to inform the public about the existence of modalities that the government has put together all private sector has put together. This has to be uh, done uh, more strategically. So coming back to what has been put in place, uh, what has um, been responsible for the uh, better influx of radiotherapy facilities, for instance, is due to due mostly to private uh, public-private practice, public-private uh, partnerships. Partnerships, yeah. And Yes, I want to use the one in the UNTH that started with an existing uh, uh, government uh, uh, radiotherapy facility. He he was able to uh, bring it back to function and maintain it and reduce the the, uh, the number of times the downtimes uh, when it's not functioning, and so he improved care um, and the volume of patients we were able to handle. Uh, and handled successfully uh, through the, the, the entire course of their therapy. Then he has recently brought in a brand new machine, which has just been installed, and government also su supported with bracket therapy. So, and in the same time that he's doing this, he's also uh, given facility to Ebony, Ebony State, Giving facility to um, uh, to Newi Nabdiaskiwe University also, he's giving to Kebbi State Government. So you can see that if the one single supplier is effectively given to about four four centers simultaneously, it shows you it gives you an idea of the influx. Whereas we remain with um, the um, uh, six facilities we had uh, existing more than five years ago. Uh, uh, in fact, since 2007, am I talking about? Since 2007, 
when UNTH had its first radio, uh, radiotherapy uh, machine through the VAMED project. And so comparatively, within the past three years, there is an acceleration of influx of radiotherapy machines into the country. We have a higher um, number of uh, radio, uh, radiotherapists, um, uh, radiation oncologists, and people in the oncology space in terms of uh, uh, staff. So the staff strength is improving. Uh, the the uh, correlation and oversight by the Federal Ministry of Health is improving. They've introduced what is called the chemosafe um, and you know enabling most centers uh, to practice the utilization of chemotherapy within uh, a control space that is able to even look into the sources of the chemotherapy they are receiving. Because before there was influx of chemotherapy agents into the country that had, you know, that you could not even trust their uh, potency or their, their the authenticity of the expiration date that was uh, that were on them or not. Right now, um, where the, the patients utilize uh, sources that the government control, and not only the control is not only in control of um, uh, the. Uh, the, the source of, of the chemotherapy, but also control of the price. So they've been able to negotiate down uh, through the, uh, the direct um, um, uh, uh, pharma pharmaceutical companies that are producing these agents. They've been able to negotiate prices that are, you know, quite, quite palatable, more palatable than what was on the table uh, before. Then another thing that has happened apart from the Cancer Health Fund is um, the um, introduction of a multidisciplinary uh, tumor board. Uh, so the, the, the Ministry of Health is enforcing that every participatory uh, teaching hospital that is operating the Cancer Health Fund can only do so through managing their patients through the uh, multidisciplinary uh, uh, tumor board, which is very good because that means that um, uh, um, management decisions are not left in the hands of one single uh, uh, discipline. It's a multidisciplinary effort. And for instance, in the UNTH where I work, we have a breast uh, multidisciplinary tumor board every Monday and a general uh, oncology tumor board uh, 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 meeting every Friday. And this has been consistent for the past three years. So you, you can see, you know, there's a movement and then the pathology, there's a lot of effort to improve pathological services um, and the, the, the expertise of the pathologists within country. And this effort has not been only by government, it's, it's been through collaborations collaborations by Nigerians who are working in the uh, oncology space in the diaspora. Uh, notably, uh, um, some people like uh, Professor Dedina, uh, who is running what we call the CAPTC, um, has been able to help with the improvement of uh, pathology, uh, uh, training of the pathologists. And uh, there's another group called the ICSPCS. And so several groups, even a lot of groups are working with radiologists to improve our mammography um, uh, uh, um, 
expertise as well as our ability to do interventions uh, either uh, uh, guided by mammography or guided by ultrasound so so many of such efforts uh, wow. uh, are coming that's and another 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 very exciting thing that has come in is um developing uh, guidelines treatment guidelines and for this i um, i really have to give it up to the association of uh, radiation oncologists in nigeria called agon that champion uh, with the african organization for research and training in cancer and mobilized um, um mobilized experts across africa and they put this together and they put together uh, um, treatment guidelines uh, for uh, oncology practice. And now the Federal Ministry of Health is trying to enforce that every center must work within those guidelines. Fantastic, fantastic. You have shared um, the issues around public-private partnerships in improving uh, you know, uh, the cancer, cancer treatment, which is also great. Uh, and I, I I see that you know devolving from the federal to the state uh, to state level, looking at some of the states you know to work with is one good way to um, to really drive the treatment you know across the the, the, the different areas in the country. Um, that's very critical. One area that I know that you know you play a lot is uh, the issue of clinical trials, and I am not even going to start pulling out you know the different. Um, you know, areas and work you have done in this area because they are phenomenal or humongous as some people would say but i know that once we are we're having a conversation and you did share with me that there are opportunities in clinical trials that you know um nigerians can leverage in terms of the treatment of of of, of, of cancer i don't know if you want to share some insights in that area and how you know the uh, interweaving of clinical trials and uh, the the the, the um, treatment of cancer alleviation of uh, cancers in Nigeria can you know uh, where 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 the intersections are. Okay, you know that there 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 are quite some more or less um, interfacing we need to really get right. Clinical trial is very key. It's very key in making the next, um, the, the next um, significant effort to bring cancer control in Nigeria and to reduce the gap, to bridge the gap that is currently in existence. We are so back, so back that, you know, in clinical trials, people were worrying about guinea pig mentality. Um, that we are being used, used as guinea pigs uh, to test drugs. But the real guinea pig we are suffering is the fact that drugs are made without recourse to our population genetics. And we are utilizing drugs that have not taken into uh, consideration our population genetics, and we are applying it as if one cap fits all. Whereas the entire world is moving towards precision medicine. And the only way we can significantly be participatory in precision medicine is through getting our population involved in genomic studies, translational science, implementation research. And all this 
we need to embrace a clinical trial. Now, there's something that is quite significant without even being, you know, being uh, participatory in these clinical trials. It's going to con continue to affect our ability to move forward in terms of scientific, uh, um, you know, yielding any scientific data that has a relevance to our population. So we have created a catch two situation which we need to break as speedily as possible. And thank God we have started doing a lot of partnerships. I mentioned the one um, uh, with the Mayo Clinic. Uh, we started with the University of Florida. And um, there's also um, the, uh, um, some other groups like, like the ICS, BCS. Certain groups are coming in usually influenced by Nigerians in the diaspora who are working in the space. Fantastic. And some, some uh, uh, teaching hospitals are beneficiaries of little, little volumes, but we need higher volumes. We, we definitely need higher volumes. Now, in order to trigger and accelerate uh, this need, there's a key, um, um, there's a, a key program that is coming up in May in Lagos. It's being championed by the scientific committee of the African Organization for Research and Training in Cancer, EOTIC. So there will be an EOTIC meeting in Nigeria in May. And in that May meeting, we are pushing, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be in charge of, I'm in charge of the uh, planning the clinical trial aspects, but there will be the aspect for genomic uh, uh, research, uh, translational research, implementation research, and then the science of advocacy. Mm. You see, a lot of NGOs in Nigeria are doing a lot of work in the field. We just go in and doing screening, free screening, there, free, but it, there's no way, it's not going to dent. That's why you were surprised to hear that we are still, we have not successfully started downgrading our tools. Rather, in the recent times, in our multidisciplinary tumor board meetings, one of the surgeons raised an alarm that more and more patients are coming late. So we, this awareness we are talking about is all in the radio, is all on the TV. It's not reaching down. We need to go down. My own thing is that we need to go down to the primary health care structure and use the structures that are in that primary health care structure to reach the people with the information. And also creates an ability for us to have, you know, clinics on wheels. Wow. Screening clinics on wheels that will yeah. be able to deliver vaccination, deliver, um, um, you know, you go there, you create awareness in the community, you engage them with the screening, you screen, you navigate them properly to the teaching hospitals and have them assess this cancer health fund uh, 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 to help them to be treated and then increase the volume of people sharing their stories. We need to do something like that to break cycle because I tell you, since 2009, the data continues 83 to 87 percent of Nigerians come late with their, uh, with their present late with cancer. And we're not talking about only breast cancer, we're talking about prostate Postrate, cancer, we're talking about cervical, cervical cancer yeah. that nobody needs to die from 
and yet the statistics remains 26 women dying every day from cervical cancer and the one is moving towards elimination of cervical cancer oh, what a shame you know so i mean that's why I, I you know i find this very important for us to keep sharing the need for us to keep you know amplifying the need to create awareness and and not just in the way that people know it now radio tv uh you know advertising and all but also through um you know reaching down to the grassroots ameliorating the the fears and concerns of women and people that oh this is not this is not you know uh a death a death sentence but it, it is uh, a key to living the life you know once you're able to um you know sort it out if you uh if you are diagnosed you know with uh, the early stages so it gives you an opportunity a lifeline in a in a sense so uh i would not end this because i again i can see that my team is already like oh we are running out of time but this is very critical this is a very important um you know conversation to have so i would i would i would ask you um what do you see is the future of Nigerian healthcare, particularly in the field of mitigating cancer, you know, looking at the coming years? I think there is a window um, of opportunity that I'm looking at, and it seems brighter than what I've been experiencing in the past 10, 15 years. I think there's a crop of people in the Ministry of Health now determined um, to work with stakeholders across board. So they are reaching out to both uh, professionals in the field and um, uh, non-governmental organizations, and everybody's coming you know, into one umbrella. And I believe that some of the conversations we are going to have from tomorrow in the International Cancer Week that is starting off tomorrow at Abuja. And subsequently, you know, we have many platforms, umbrellas, under which we are all, you know, continuing conversations, and there's a lot of um, uh, collaborations uh, between Nigerians in the diaspora. Even there's an NGO called OCI Foundation that is working with the National Youth Corps, working with um, also uh, recently there's a bill um, in, in, that is trying to introduce um, uh, a curriculum of uh, cancer awareness in the uh, secondary school curriculum Fantastic. and it's just had a reading in this uh, in the upper house so with all this happening and you know it's like falling over on top of each other there's development across the entire um, continuum into even palliative care so I, I think it's looking brighter however we still have like 90 percent of work uh, still to do honestly 90 percent and we just need to improve from that foundational level of reaching people at the grassroots with the information and getting them to appear earlier and as soon as we are able to do that because right now as the only way you can cut through that denial that procrastination is to improve the people the, the volume of people who have passed through the process have survived and are there sharing their story and saying, look at me, I am a survivor. All they know is somebody receives a diagnosis of breast cancer and the next thing, the person is dead. 
So they don't have any other narrative. So much, so bad that once you receive that diagnosis, people start coming to pay you condolence visit. It's still <laughs> happening till date. Wow. So the only way to cut that vicious cycle is to make more effort into creating awareness and then making available screening at the doorstep of the people through mobile screening services, as they are doing in South Africa. Okay. They're also replicating it in Egypt. Yeah, this, this is really um, quite informative. And uh, this is where I see opportunities where um, companies can come and, you know, partners can, you know, work with uh, the different stakeholders to, to bring this to the grassroots, to work in a way and manner that would help, you know, uh, alleviate the challenges we have around cancer in Nigeria. And so again, I would like to thank um, um, Professor Koye. I know that uh, we have uh, really passed the time. Just to mention that Professor Koye is she's a, she's a, she's an author of seven books, eighty scientific publications. Um, she is a chairman of the Nigerian um, Clinical Trial Technical Committee. She's an Ashoka Fellow. She's a past president of the radiologists in West Africa, and the list goes on. So again, um, when we hear what we're saying, you are, it's, this is not hearsay. This is really... <laughs> West Africa Journal of... Exactly. I was about to say, I was about to add that before you did. Yeah, I was... To us. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, 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 and that, that, that would be very helpful. Yeah, sending articles um, around even experiences, awareness. It's something that maybe offline you and I can discuss even further. But I thank you, Professor Koye, for all your efforts and fights, you know, to assist Nigerians who are, um, you know, um, that suffering or who have been diagnosed with, with cancer and really driving the policy space, supporting, you know, government in the work they are doing to, you know, get this, um, get this right. Uh, your good deeds will certainly not go unnoticed. Um, like I said, unfortunately, we have come to the end of the show. I would like to thank you for appearing on today's episode. We would like our viewers to follow the Business Exchange on SoundCloud, on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. And on social media, follow us at abcancel underscore ng on Twitter, Instagram, and American Business Council Nigeria on LinkedIn. And make sure you join the conversation and use the hashtag, the hashtag the ABC Business Exchange. And so we'll see you same time when we bring another very exciting conversation on how things can happen, how business works, and how business can transform. Um, from challenges into opportunities in the country. Thank you everyone for listening.